satisfies our need for spiritual connection. Prayer is the discipline that we use to satisfy our need for spiritual connection. Most often when we think about prayer, we don't think about it in that way, but that is what prayer is. Prayer is the word that we use for how a person communes with God. If you've ever doubted your need for connection the past several months, have proven it over and over. People are hardwired for a relationship with others and with the Lord. Today on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel shares that your need for spiritual connection is met through prayer. Prayer is how you commune with God. Pastor Daniel will walk you through the Lord's Prayer as he explains how prayer fosters an upward focus in your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 11 as he begins a new message the need for connection. Each and every one of us, as we move through our lives every day, are trying to understand why we do the things that we do and if they're important. It's kind of the question behind the questions. In some ways, this series, we're calling it The Art of Living. It's about asking the question, since we have life, how shall we live? What shall we do? And why are we involved in the things that we're involved in? See, part of understanding the art of living is the ability to peel back a layer, so to speak. I remember as a young church planter in New Jersey, I used to have coffee almost every day with a man named Chaim. I used to call him my rabbi. And Chaim used to always say, what I love about the rabbis, speaking of the Jewish rabbis, is that they'd always, they have to go underneath. They'd see the text and they'd have to dig. And you would do this thing with his thumb. It's about getting underneath it, underneath it. And in a lot of ways, I learned how to interpret the scripture from my friend Chaim by saying, no, no, you have to go underneath it. What does it say underneath what it's saying? And the beauty is, is when you apply that idea to your life, you look not just what you see, but what's underneath it. That actually teaches you why you see what you see. There's another layer that's going on. And part of the need I felt for this series is that in order to understand how to live in the way Jesus explained it to us in the word, the way Jesus exemplified, the reason Jesus died and rose again, that abundant life, we have to go a layer deeper. And one of the things that we keep finding is that each one of us in our humanity is driven by needs. There's needs that we have. There's needs that we were created with that if we don't identify what the need is and how we seek to satisfy that need, we won't understand who we are. So remember when we started this series, a lot of this is being based on the fact that each one of us lives in three directions. We live upward, 
We live inward and we live outward. And we get that from Jesus' greatest commandment, right? When they ask him what it's all about, the main thing, he said, you got to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then you have to love your neighbor as yourself. So you love God, that's upward, and then you love your neighbor, which is outward, as you love yourself, which is inward. And each one of us is living simultaneously in these three directions, upward, inward, and outward. But what happens is, if we do not live upward with God correctly, the way we live inward is going to be wrong because we don't understand who we really are. And the way we love other people will be wrong because we won't understand how we're supposed to love. Remember, upward, it's about God. Inward is me. Outward is others. It's about God, divinity, gives way to identity, which is me inwardly, you inwardly, and then mission, how we live outwardly. And so we're focusing right now on the upward, how we live upwardly. We looked at the fact that each one of us has a need for meaning. And however you satisfy your need for meaning will give way to worship. And if you satisfy your need for meaning, however you do it, you're going to worship that. You're going to declare the worth of something in your life. And we made the point that because our need for meaning is satisfied by the fact that God created us and sustains us, then we worship God. And we looked at what that looks like. Now, this week, we begin with this idea that every person has a need for spiritual connection. Everybody has a need for connection. Connection and the need for connection is a universal human condition. How do I know this? Because if you just did a Google search, like I did, on the need for connection, the need for spiritual connection, you find all sorts of things. Things like, a woman said this, I am a spiritual medium. I communicate important messages and insights from the dead to the living. And the way I do this is by going inward and connecting with my spirit within that serves as a bridge to the wisdom on the other side. Five ways to become spiritually connected. Music, yoga, art, nature, and bedtime meditation. Now, I don't agree with this woman, but you see there's a need for connection that she's seeking to satisfy. And for her, her need for connection satisfies by trying to communicate with people who have passed from this life, something that the Bible straightly says is wrong, shouldn't do it. It's interesting that even now with the growing prominence of atheism in our culture, there's a whole organization called spiritual atheism now. So they don't want to believe in God. And so I'll read you a little section here. For spiritual atheists, being spiritual means, at the very least, to nurture thoughts, words, and actions that are in harmony with the idea that the entire universe, in some way, is connected, even if only by the mysterious flow of cause and effect at every scale. I'm just going to move by that without comment. Then you read, the, you can read lists, ways to be more spiritually connected, make a commitment to connect with nature, create time alone, find a good place to sit down, relax, breathe. See, everybody has a need for connection and everybody seeks to satisfy that need for connection. And you have to ask yourself, how do you seek to satisfy your need for connection? 
I think for most of us, our need for spiritual connection, we actually try and satisfy it on the interpersonal level. That because we need to be connected spiritually, we actually ask other people to fulfill that place in our hearts. But the thing is, is when you expect a finite, fallen human being to fulfill your need for spiritual connection, you set them up for failure and your relationship up for failure. How many of you ever had experience with that? Yeah. And everybody else has got their hands down. It's like, yeah, me too. I just didn't want to raise my hand in church. The Bible teaches us how to satisfy our need for spiritual connection. And it's in one word. Prayer satisfies our need for spiritual connection. Prayer is the discipline that we use to satisfy our need for spiritual connection. Most often when we think about prayer, we don't think about it in that way, but that is what prayer is. Prayer is the word that we use for how a person communes with God. And prayer is one of the most challenging parts of the Christian life. And I believe the reason prayer is one of the most challenging parts of the Christian life is because it's one that is personal and intimate with God alone. See, if you come to church, come to the gathering of the saints, there is some sort of an external reward for it. You're with other people. You get to see your friends. You realize that you're part of a group. If you read your Bible, you can say, I'm just learning Bible information, and I like Bible information. But prayer is completely private, really. Prayer is something that happens between a person and God alone. Richard Foster said it this way, prayer is the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. I think for each one of us, if you were to look at your spiritual lives, prayer is the most challenging, isn't it? I've never met someone who says, I pray enough. Billy Graham was asked recently, as he's nearing the end of his earthly journey, if you can go back and redo it, what would you do differently? He said, I'd pray more. And I think a lot of us feel that way, don't we? I've heard it said this way. You could tell how popular a church is by how many people come on a Sunday meeting. You could tell how popular a pastor is by how many people come to the midweek study. And you can tell how popular Jesus is by the prayer meeting. And oftentimes when we have a prayer meeting, nobody comes. When people find out that there's no sermon, they leave. No, no condemnation, but what does that tell us? I think it tells us that we don't understand how to fulfill our need for connection. That the Bible has a way of doing things that is different from ours. So in order to look at this today, I want you to open up in your Bibles and I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. It's the third book in your New Testament. You have the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, and then the Gospel of Luke. Luke, chapter 11. Now, I want to cover a lot of ground today in Luke chapter 11, and really, it's one of those things for me that to try and cover prayer in one study 
in 35 minutes is kind of insane. But I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm going to take us from Luke chapter 11, verse 1, to verse 13. And to be honest, I'm going to break the points down into four Ps. There's four Ps about prayer. And to be really honest, at least three of the Ps I've heard somewhere else before. I just don't know where. So I stole the outline from somebody. Now, I want to say that because I always work from fresh outlines. You know, like I, not, there's nothing new under the sun, but I don't go like on findagoodbiblestudy.com and pull a sermon and preach it to you. You know what I mean? Some churches and pastors do that. I do not do that. But three of these Ps were written in my Bible. They're written in my, so I heard this somewhere, and I think maybe my pastor, John Henry, preached it, but I know he didn't make it up himself anyway. You know what I mean? And so it's in my Bible, and then I added some stuff to it. So I wanted to put that out there, because I'm not like a sermon stealer, and I actually did a Google search with three of the Ps and see if I could find it, and it didn't pop up, and Warren Wearsby had two of them, and this guy had one of them, and so who knows how it all, but it's all Ps, and I kind of stole it, so I'm going to drive it like I stole it, Okay. I'm just being honest. And at the same time, I don't want you to think that I'm like slacking off on the job, so I'm pulling the outlines from somewhere else. But I'm trying to take care of business, amen? Taking care of it. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And if we were reading Matthew's gospel, it would end with, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said what? Amen. What this teaches us is the pattern of prayer. This is the pattern of prayer. And I love this. What you learn here in the pattern of prayer, and again, the reason I say I'm going to cover a lot of ground, because I would like to teach this pattern of prayer, the model prayer, one line at a time. There's so much in it. But notice, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he stopped, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, if I wanted to add another pre, this is the primacy of prayer, because the only time the disciples ever ask Jesus, they never say, Lord, teach us to preach. They never say, Lord, teach us to do evangelism. They don't even say, Lord, teach us to worship. But Jesus comes back from praying, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus teaches them how to pray. It's a pattern for prayer. When you pray, say, and then you have this classic prayer that is called, people call it the Lord's Prayer, right? That's the common phrase for it. Really, I don't think it's the right phrase because really it's a model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really John 17, right? That's when Jesus is actually praying. But this is a model for prayer or a pattern for prayer. Now, to take this in just a few moments, what we realize is that this prayer, when broken down, it has an introduction, who you're praying to, our Father in heaven. Then it has a series of requests. And then in Matthew's gospel, it has its conclusion for 
Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, both now and forevermore. But you'll notice in these prayers that first the prayers are Godward, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the prayer gets personal. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. And then it goes outward as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So you see those three directions are still there. It starts with God and then the personal needs of the day and of life and how we live in the world. Don't think that's by chance. That's why I keep saying the art of living is lived in three directions. And when Jesus gives a model prayer, he's like, look, first it's God, then it's you, and then it goes outward. Same idea here. But this is the pattern. Now, I want you to notice just a few things. And honestly, I could do a sermon series on those three verses. (laughs) We'll do it one of these days. But it begins, our Father in heaven. God, whose dwelling place is the heavenlies. And he begins first with God's name. Hallowed be your name. It means that you are sacred and ultimate. That word hallowed. Nobody uses the word any. Every once in a while I hear someone talking old school, this hallowed ground. But it means it's, it's special, it's sacred, it's set apart. They're saying that the name of God, Jesus is saying, That God's name is sacred. God's name is ultimate. Now, I say this all the time. It's not name like the letters of his name. That's an over-literalization by conservative Jewish scholars. The word, the name, the idea of someone's name denotes their entire nature. I always say it the same way. Just put anybody's name in there. Just name somebody you know. You never think about the letters in their name. You think about that person. Because name always denotes nature. And they're saying, look, because your nature, God, is hallowed, then let us live that way. Not only God's name, but then you also get God's reign. Your kingdom come, and then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you have God's reign and God's will. Saying, God, we want your reign that's in heaven to touch down on earth, and we want your will, which is part of your reign, to touch down on earth. When was the last time you said, God, I want your kingdom to come in my life? See, that's how God's kingdom comes. See, God's kingdom comes when God reigns and his will is done in your life and that at the place that you find yourself, God's kingdom and his will is being ushered into the earth through people like you and I. That's what the church is meant to be. And that's why I think the church is so challenging sometimes. That's why crossroads can be challenging, any congregation, because the last thing that the enemy, Satan, wants, which we're going to get to at the end, he doesn't want God's kingdom and will to touch down to earth through you and through me, and definitely not through us together. Satan has strategies and plans for the church universal and all of its local expressions to try and make sure that God's kingdom doesn't get made manifest through the people of God. But the prayer is, Lord, I want your reign to be seen through my life. Talk about the art of living. The art of living is when God's reign and God's will is made manifest through our lives. See, it goes upward. It's for God. Lord, let your name be hallowed. Your kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, that's one of our prayers here at Crossroads all the time is that 
7708 Northeast 78th Street, this sanctuary and the chapel, that this would be a thin place, that the veil between heaven and earth would be real thin here, that heaven can touch down in this place as we gather together and through our lives. That's what we want. Is your life a thin place where the division between heaven and earth gets obscured so that heaven can touch down in your world, amongst the people that you're around. My friends, that's the art of living. But this pattern not only goes upward, but then there's also personal needs. Give us this day our daily bread. This speaks about the needs that we have. Along the way, one pastor said, God's interested in giving us our needs and not our greeds. (laughs) That's a tough one, right? Oftentimes, we forget what is a need and what is a want, and especially in our culture. I mean, if you've ever traveled to countries that are what we would call today developing countries, you really realize how much we actually have. In our home right now, we had an issue with our kitchen, and our whole kitchen got ripped out. And you realize how many things you take for granted when your kitchen doesn't work. And it's really easy to be like, oh, I can't believe the kitchen. They had to rip the kitchen out. What a mess. You know, and then you're like, well, but we do live in a house. And we had a kitchen. (laughs) You know? And we still have a refrigerator. Oh, and we were able to go to the store and buy another microwave and a hot plate. And we have actually food that we can eat. And oh, I can't believe we don't have purified water coming from our refrigerator. But we can drink the water out of our faucet and not die. But when things like this, you put them in perspective and you realize how blessed we really are. The person here who has the least by global standards is still extraordinarily well off. How much of our time is spent on our greeds? It's a convicting thing to say for me as well. But God wants to provide for our needs. And I love it. It says our daily bread. That's not an American cultural value, right? We want, we want our long-term bread, right? We want to be able to say, Lord, I want you to make sure that when if I hit my retirement number so that if I live to 107 years old, I'll have enough. If not, I'm going to be totally anxious all my retirement. Now, don't get me wrong. Those of you who are retired, I realize that that's a, a challenging part of life. You've turned your career over. You have a fixed income. You don't know what's going to happen. I realize that not while looking to minimize it. But beyond that fear, it also reveals a lack of trust in the provision of God. Jesus is real. In this wealthy country, it's not hard to get your needs and wants confused. Today, Pastor Daniel challenged you to consider if you're spending too much time chasing after the things you want, instead of living grateful that the Lord has provided for your needs. He reminded you that God gives you what you need as you go, not necessarily all at once. God wants you to trust Him to be who He says He is and to do what He says He'll do. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. 
That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share that everyone has a huge debt they owe God, and nothing you can do will satisfy what you owe. That is why you need Jesus. Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, your debt can be erased, and your relationship with God can be restored. He did all the work for you. You just have to say yes to Jesus. He'll make everything right. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series, The Art of Living, next time. Until then, may God bless.